All right. Good evening. Hope you guys had a great Tuesday. It was good to get out and about and beat some people in carpet ball. And Alex, are you in here tonight? Alex, where are you at, bud? Alex? No? No? Where's that guy at? He's not going to admit it now. We had some epic uh, carpet ball battles, and then ping pong was not so successful, but that's okay. But uh, looking forward to opening up God's Word with you tonight. Have you ever thought to yourself, if I just had a little bit more money, uh, maybe a little bit, uh, a few more abilities, maybe if my looks were a little different, uh, maybe if I had a few more Facebook friends, a few more followers on Instagram, uh, that I would be happy. And we get so caught up sometimes, uh, it's easy for any of us to do, where we just think, man, if I just had this... Man, life would be a lot easier. You're, you're not the only ones who have thought this. I want you to imagine that maybe you were super successful. Maybe you'd been in 93 movies and TV shows, and you had a net worth of $100 million. Nobody would complain about that. And, and there's some people, that's what their whole life is about, is attaining uh, those sorts of things. And this is William Shatner, the original Captain Kirk, right there, right? There he is on the left there. And uh, look at that guy in the rubber suit he's wrestling against there, huh? Star Trek, Priceline. He's the old Priceline negotiator. He's had a long Hollywood career. He's in his upper 80s now. And this is what he had to say about all those things. What have I done? He's worth $100 million. I've blundered my way through life, so I have my picture on the wall. The minute I die, that picture will start to yellow and fade and eventually be gone. Blown in the wind and become a part of the molecular structure of something else. These things we see as success, they're non-accomplishments. He spent his whole life trying to get to this point. Well, maybe you can't relate to that, but maybe, it may, maybe if you were an athlete, if you just had a few more abilities, maybe if you made it to the NBA, and maybe you're a four-time all-star, a two-time all-NBA selection, and you literally just signed a $139 million contract. If I had that, surely I would be happy then. Life, there'd be meaning and there'd be fulfillment and, and, well, maybe not. This is what Marta Rosen said. He tweeted out after he sunk into depression during this last year's All-Star Weekend. I mean, this is supposed to be the pinnacle. According to Star, the 28-year-old said he struggled with various nights uh, spending depressed since he was young, but, man, he's arrived. Why, why is that? How can you have all these abilities and you can have all this money and you can be an NBA All-Star? And the reality of the matter is this. We can't find any type of eternal satisfaction and temporary pleasures possessions or abilities you can try you really can and you could spend your whole life chasing after things blowing in the wind and and trying to fill this god-shaped hole in your heart with stuff and and you can go after it and, and it might be the extracurriculars it might be whatever it is and and you can try and fill and fill and get more and more and more and accumulate more stuff but you cannot find eternal satisfaction and temporary pleasures possessions and abilities it's impossible i could have put a hundred different quotes up here of athletes, actors, politicians, and they spent their whole life, and, and ex-presidents who have been the president of the United States of America, they represent the entire free world. And this is what they've hoped for. This is what all of their dreams have been about. And they get there, and they're the president. And now they're done, and you know what they say? What was the big deal? What was it all about? Now what am I supposed to do? What's that next step that, that I need to do to try and feel some sense of accomplishment? And in Luke 12 tonight, 
Jesus addresses this very issue of this idea of itching for more stuff, this idea of, of covetousness, of trying to get out there and accumulate more, and, and he wants you to be on guard against that. You see, the, the reality of the matter is, is the more stuff we try to get and the more that it's about the here and now, the less it is that our hearts and our minds are drifting toward thoughts of eternity. You know, sometimes I speak at outdoorsman's banquets, people that hunt and fish, and I was out in, in New England and talking to a guy and he could not wait to get to, he, he had so many trophy, bear, moose, he'd been to South Africa, he'd been all over the world. There wasn't anything on his list that he hadn't shot. And he was going through these hunts, and then I said, well then what? Well then I went here, and, and I shot this, and it was unbelievable. And I said, well then what? Well now, I mean, I'm doing this, and he built this huge barn, to, not really a barn, a really nice building to put all of these trophy animals that he had shot. And I said, well now what? He looked at me and said, honestly, Mark, I don't know. And I said, well, well, what's next? Now, he's an older gentleman. He said, well, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm retired. I spend time with my family. I said, well, then what? Well, I guess I'm going to die. I said, well, then what? But you see, we don't like to think about those things, especially when all of our lives are consumed with what this culture says is important, which is accumulating stuff and putting all of our stock in the here and now. But Jesus is going to address this tonight, and he's going to reiterate the fact that our possessions do not determine our value. And he's going to put it like this. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Do you believe that's true tonight? We are living in a world that preaches the exact opposite. That your value, your intrinsic value is found in, in what you have and what you have to offer and your looks and what you can do on the court and maybe how you can play an instrument and that's it and outside of that you have no real value and nothing to offer but in Luke chapter 12 tonight if you haven't already opened your Bibles you can open to Luke 12 verse 13 and we're going to be looking at Luke 12 verses 13 to 21 this evening and, and I, I don't know what your heart but I, I, your heart is tonight but there's nowhere else on earth I'd rather be than camp tonight what an awesome privilege to be here with you guys and I would just ask, just give us a few minutes tonight. We're going to be talking about the most important topic ever that you could ever come across. And if you can just give us a few minutes of your time this evening as we cover something super important, and that's what's next. What happens to someone when they die? And, and we're going to get there as we work through this. But in Luke 12, verses 13 to 21, Jesus says this, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This is probably a younger brother whose dad has passed away, and he's like, man, I want to make sure I don't miss out on what I have coming to me. I want to make sure I'm not shortchanged on, on uh, this inheritance. But Jesus says to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? It's not that he's not interested. You could translate that word friend, but this is a little cooler term than other words for friend in the New Testament. And it's not that he doesn't care, but he has more important things to get to the heart of the matter here. And he says this, in verse 15, he says, Take care and be on your guard against all sorts of covetousness or itching for more, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so he skits to the heart of the matter here and he says, Look, it's not really about you wanting to get your fair share, it's about you wanting to accumulate stuff. And so he's going to go out and share a, a story here, and he's going to give a parable. But before he does this, you need to understand what this word life means here. There's different words for life in the New Testament. There's life, uh, it can be used, and it just means longevity, how long you're going to live. 
There's life that's about the quality of life and, and, and stuff. But the word life here in Luke chapter 12 is this idea of the life offered to all humanity and the call to follow Jesus and through him to live in a personal relationship with the Father. It's this idea of the quintessential life. He says this life, this eternal life, that life cannot be measured by how much stuff you have. And so he cuts right to the chase, and I like that Jesus does this here, but then to further elaborate, he's going to give us a parable, and Jesus is going to deliver a parable on the false security of earthly possessions. You know, there's a lot of people that find their security in what they have and, and the stuff, and hey, I, I've got a bank account, or hey, I, I've got these abilities, or whatever, but we understand that God can, can take those off the table at any moment. But so we're going to have a parable this evening on the false security of earthly possessions. I'm going to read through this real quick, all right, and then we'll, we'll walk through this. He says this in verse 16, and he told them a parable in Luke chapter 12. And he said, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Is there anything wrong with God blessing us financially? Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with God blessing. That's not going to be the issue, but he says to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he says to them, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now, hey, eat, drink, and be merry, right? Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But something happens in verse 20. But God says to him, you fool. You know, listen up. Whenever God calls someone a fool, we want to take notice. And he steps into the picture here and he says in verse 20, you fool. This night your soul is required of you. And the things that you've prepared, these things that you've accumulated, he says, whose will they be now? And he says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich towards God. So let's look at these dangers here of the security. When, when we put all of our, our stock into the here and now, what, what does that lead to? Well, let's look at just three quick points here. One, your greed's going to poison your planning. This idea of covetousness or, or greed, it poisons our planning. It affects how we view the future and, and, and how we live our lives if we're living in uh, our life for the here and now and not for what happens next. Obviously, that has an effect on your entire outlook, and on your perspective. And here, he, he says this, here's the issue, he says, take care and be on guard against all kinds of covetousness. And he tells them this parable, and it's this, it's this rich man, right? And he thinks to himself, what shall I do, right? I have nowhere to store my stuff. And he says, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger ones. I'm going to store all my grain and my goods, and then I'll be able to say, look at what you've accomplished with your life. Look at everything you've done. Look at this little kingdom that you've built. Look at all the things that you have been able to accomplish, and now that he's whatever, 45, 50, I'm going to take it easy, because that's what life is about. If I can just accumulate enough stuff and enough time, then I can sit back, relax, and let everybody else do the work, because it's been a hard life of me doing this, but it's paying off now, baby. And so now I'm going to sit back, relax, and coast on in for the rest of my life. But God steps in. He says, wait, wait a minute, you fool. 
What about tonight? What about this night, your, your soul being required of you? But he's not thinking about those things, see? Uh, when I had first gotten married, uh, I, I loved to fish, and uh, my wife, uh, we, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment that was just wide open, beautiful 200-square-foot apartment in Ankeny, Iowa. And uh, we have a detective that goes to church with us, and he's like, you lived over there? He's like, we, we make stops over there all the time. And uh, one particular morning, I, I, I'm, I was getting up. Aaron's alarm goes off, you know, at like 2.30 because she's a substitute teacher, and she's checking to see if there's a job. Not really 2.30 in the morning, okay, early. And she's like, Mark, I think I can hear somebody crying for help outside. I'm like, Aaron, relax, you know, it's, let's get going here, let's, you know. And then all of a sudden she leaves, and I'm like, I can, I hear something. And it was this faint little cry for help. And a lady had been locked in her trunk right outside our front door on the ground all night, early November. I was frustrated because I wanted to go deer hunting, and here's this lady freezing to death, stuck in her trunk. It's not funny. I shouldn't laugh. And so I call the police, and they're like, oh, we can't hear it. We can't. And then they finally hear it, and they come in, and they jack open this trunk. And this lady is like in the fetal position, freezing cold, and is like, thank you, you know, as they roll her out. And I, so we lived in a nice part of town. And... Um, <laughs> It was during, uh, shortly after that, that I wanted to go fishing with my friend Zach, and uh, he came and picked me up, and, and we jumped in his boat, and, and away we went out to this little lake, and, and you guys know what it's like when the fishing is good, the fishing is good, right? How many guys enjoy getting out, doing a little fishing? Maybe even here at Clear Lake, beautiful Clear Lake, and uh, this is pre-cell phone, okay? I'm old, all right? And uh, I was out there, and uh, she, we, were, we had no money, and so we had this one date set aside, and we were going to do steaks, and it's going to be wonderful, and we're going to grill out. But I was supposed to be home at noon to make this happen, and we got up early. We were on the water before the light was up, and the fishing was absolutely incredible, okay? And so in, in my mind, hey, I'm just going to make a few more casts, a few more casts, and, and, uh, and, and then the sun started to set. And, and not only had I totally blown off our date. I'd blown off the day, and all of a sudden, that panic mode sits in, and, and guys, you'll experience this at least one or 600 times during the course of your marriage, and I, we took everything we had. We threw it in the boat in the back of his truck, and we zoomed home, and I opened up the door, and there was my sweet, loving wife, Erin, but girls, you all have been given the God-given ability to give what I just call the look. You don't have to say anything. And I opened the door, and my precious, beautiful wife was ready to murder me. <laughs> and, and without saying anything, she said, Mark, if I could murder you, I would, and bring you back to life many, many months from now. <laughs> and the whole point, I mean, I, I was so about the fishing that I forgot that, by the way, I, I'm married. <laughs> I'm in a pretty important relationship over here. And life's not just about me pursuing my stuff and doing what I want to do. And, and now that I'm married, we make these decisions together. We make these plans together. We have a joint checking account. There might not be anything in it, but both of our names are on it. And we do life together. And, and what happens so often is, Lord willing, at some point in your life, you've come to realize your need for a Savior. And so you come into the most important relationship that you could ever come into in your whole life. And so now all of a sudden life's not about you. It's not just getting up and going here and fishing all day and whatever. It's, it's about Christ and living for him and, and making decisions in light of what you think he would have you to do and where he would have you to go. 
But when life's about us and it's about the here and now, then you see the type of pronouns and the planning that we see here. It's I and my versus Lord. It's your life. They're your plans. It's here's what I'm going to do with my life versus Lord. How can you get the most out of my life? Because when you enter into that relationship with the almighty creator God of the universe via his son, Jesus Christ, my life is hid in Christ. Because I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, so it's no longer here's what I'm going to do and here's my plans and I've laid out my whole life and, and I don't need you, God. I can figure this out. It's, Lord, how can you get the most out of my life? You've bought me with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so now I don't live my life like I'm single. I live my life like I've come into this relationship. And now everything flows through the grid of God. What would you have me to do? But when it's about the here and now, and, and there's that covetous spirit, it poisons how we plan. It, it, it poisons our thinking and how we view the future. And, and it's just a means to an end for us to accumulate more stuff. And Jesus says, be on guard. Secondly, we've got to realize, too, our life is a vapor. It goes quick. In verse 20, what does he say? After he's made all these plans and he's built these barns and for all his stuff, right? And for his purposes. God says to him, you fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. James 4, we see life's a vapor. Psalm 90, Moses talks about it. In the oldest psalm that we have, Moses says, man, life goes quick. So Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can arrive at a heart of wisdom. Help us to have your perspective on time and, and life and all those things. And I know it's hard for you to understand at 12, 13, 14 that before you know it, you could be an old guy like me. But it happens quickly. And it happens quick. And, and we're not always guaranteed, hey, this is going to happen, then I'm going to do this and this. God might have other plans. And the more, again, that we invest in the here and now, and it's just all about accumulating that stuff, we have to realize that, that God can take that away at any moment. You know, Steve Jobs might have died with a few billion dollars in the bank, but there's no U-Hauls at funerals. You can't take it with you. This last week in Ankeny, in the Des Moines area, in Polk County, I can't tell you, I've never seen rain like this before. And I thought to myself, it rained like this for 40 days and 40 nights a few thousand years ago. And it just kept coming down in sheets and sheets and sheets. I couldn't see anything. It was raining like crazy. We had two rivers that formed on either side of our house. And eventually they decided to join our basement for a big party. It was great. But look at this. This is Des Moines, Iowa. Right there. That's Des Moines. This is Ankeny. Okay? And it was horrible. And yeah, you don't have billions of dollars, but if your room was in the basement and you had all this stuff that you were like, man, I finally got it. I got the shoes. I got the technology. I got this instrument. I got the clothes. You know what happened? Overnight it's gone. And you could have spent weeks and months saving up for this stuff and thinking, finally, I got it. I can be happy for two or three days. But then God says, hey, you know what? I'm sovereign over the weather, too, and I'm going to send a little rain our way to remind us of what's really important. And our street is just lined. This is Ankeny. With stuff, with piles just like this. As all the you know, people thought, man, I've got all this gear and this stuff, and and I saved up for it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to have the right perspective because it can be gone in an instant. And I'm telling you, if you drive through, if you've been through Ankeny, Des Moines, you can't go down a street without seeing piles of stuff 
that I'm sure at one point in time, up until about nine days ago, were super important to people. And it's gone. And God says to him, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now all that stuff that you've spent days and weeks and months and maybe an entire life saving up for and thinking, now I've arrived, I've made that I can be happy. Whose is that going to be? It's not going to be yours. You see, if God doesn't own your possessions and abilities, eventually they're going to own you. And lastly this, he says, your true wealth is your identity in Christ. And we read down and he says, God says to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And these things you have prepared that you've gathered, whose will they be? And he says, resulting in this, listen, he says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself. And down in verse 34, what's it say? For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself, for the here and now, but is not rich towards God. And hasn't stored up his treasure, his eternal treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy it, where thieves can't break in. What does it mean to be rich towards God? It's it's the opposite of laying up treasures for yourself. It's when God becomes your treasure. And your greatest joy and satisfaction is simply living out the Christian life that he has called you to live. And that life, that eternal life that, that Jesus has offered through Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us, it's not measured in, in what we have. It's not measured in, in our looks or our abilities or our gifts. We can have complete satisfaction and joy even when a flood comes through and takes out all of your stuff in your basement or maybe a car that was literally pushed down the street and destroyed now. That doesn't have to affect this life that Jesus offers to us. And our true wealth and our value in life then is that we are hidden in Jesus Christ. And our value then is in light of what God has done for us. You know, David Livingston was a, really a medical missionary, but also kind of an explorer in, in South Africa. And while he could have had a lot, he, he lived a life of, of not much. And it's just interesting, he says this, People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. It's emphatically no sacrifice. I say rather it's a privilege to sacrifice my life for God. And then he says this, I was aroused in the dark this morning by five feet of cold green snake gliding over my face, and I've come to the conclusion that it's unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) But yet that life that he was living, he found joy and satisfaction in that life that's offered, and and yes, at trusting Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then following after him. For your true wealth, however, to be your identity in Christ, you have to have a relationship with Christ. You know, somebody says, hello, my name is. What would you say? What, what, what identifies you? Well, I'm this. You know, I'm that. Or I, 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 here's my abilities. Here's my gifts. Here's, how, here's who I root for. Here's my hobbies. People know me as whatever. But could you say Christian this evening? And as you think about looking to the future, we have to ask ourselves this question, what if my soul was required of me this evening? What if your soul was required of you this evening? You see, if we've put all our hope 
and, and all of our joy and happiness and just the here and now and the temporary stuff, God calls us fools. That man wasn't ready for eternity. He was ready for the here and now. He was ready to, to live out what he thought would be a happy life, having worked all this stuff and filled up his barns. But God says, your soul has now been required from you. It's been taken away from you. And he wasn't ready. And so what if your soul was required of you this evening? What's next? You know, I've asked that question to a lot of people. One of my good friends always asks that to people too. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And how do I know what's next? Well, let me take you on a little couple-minute journey here, okay? Through, through God's Word in Genesis, God speaks. And this isn't just another book. It really is God's Word preserved for you today. And in Genesis chapter 3, sin enters a perfect world. And in that moment in time, we were separated from God. That sin separates us from a holy God. And at that moment, there was a problem with our relationship with Him. And it needed to be restored, right? We wanted that fellowship back, but that sin separated us from a holy God. Romans 5 says, just as through one man, that's Adam, sin entered the world, and death came with sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. And you know what? My kids were born sinners. And I passed on that sin to them, and they're going to pass on that sin to grandkids, Lord willing, someday. Nobody has to teach you how to do wrong. You come by it naturally. And sin and death has spread to all men. And it's not just physical death, but it's spiritual death as well. Hebrews 9.27 says this, It's appointed for men to die. And then comes judgment. Not then comes a waiting period. Not then comes a second chance. Not then comes a whoopsie-poo, a do-over. It says then comes judgment. Hebrews 9. And so what happens there? Well, in Revelations 20, it says this. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, remember that little skit? He was thrown into the lake of fire. That's a very real place called hell. And it says both the small and the great will be there. Famous people and people that you've never heard of. The problem is, too, is that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God, of God's standard of perfection. And we've all missed that mark. Remember, we're born sinners. We're born separated from God, needing to having that, that relationship restored to Him. And that wages of sin that we've all sinned is death. And, and here's the other thing. You cannot save yourself. We, we can't grant ourselves the forgiveness of sins by, by trying to work off that debt. It says, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified or made just as though you've never sinned. You can't have those sins forgiven by just trying to do good stuff. Man, it took a perfect God and the perfect sacrifice to take our place on the cross. That's why we sing about the power of the cross. It's not, we weren't singing about the power of our good works or the power of being a good person or the power of you know, helping people across the street or being a Boy Scout. It's the power of the cross. And, but if we stop before the cross, it's hopeless this evening. If we stop there, we've all sinned, we've come short of the glory of God, there's a gap there that we can't fill, but Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. And it's not just something we sing about or wouldn't that be nice, this is truth, this really happened. And yes, there's an issue here, sin separates us from God, but Jesus Christ came to this earth and he became flesh and he really did live among us. And in 1 Corinthians 5, he became sin for us. He lived a perfect life. 
He walked on this earth for over 30 years, and he never sinned. And it took a perfect sacrifice. But he was willing to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, so that if we would put our trust in what Christ has done for us, we could have a right standing again with God. We could have that relationship restored. He, he's going to bridge the gap for us because we could never do that for ourselves. And that's called the gospel. That's the good news. That's what Jesus Christ has done. He made it possible for anybody who would put their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins that they could have eternal life. You can know what's next. And if your soul was required of you, you can have confidence. 1 John 5 says, these things I've written unto you that you may know that you can have eternal life here this evening. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. Are you ready? It's that Christ died for your sins and mine, according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And when he rose again, he conquered sin, and he conquered death. And he made it possible. He made the way possible for you and I to have our sins forgiven and to have that relationship restored with God. That's it. We can't do that on our own. It took Christ. That's why we sang about the power of the cross. Well, what does that mean tonight for us? Well, one, we have to admit we're a sinner, right? It's just to agree with God about our sin. And hopefully there's no one in here who would say, man, I have never sinned. I've never told a lie. I've never cheated. I've never had a bad attitude. We've all sinned. That's what the Bible said. And so we have to admit that and agree with God. Yes, I, I, I'm a sinner. I, I know that. And then I need to repent. It's this change of, of mind and heart is, yes, I'm a sinner, and I want to turn from that sin because I know that God takes that sin so seriously. That's what put him on the cross. I'm going to admit I'm a sinner, but I'm going to repent. Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I agree with you about that, but I want to turn from that sin to put my trust in you and you alone. And, and you call out in faith. And you say, Lord, I, I need you. Will you please forgive me of my sins? And it's, it's that gift that's there, but you have to receive it. You know, at Christmas, it wouldn't be a ton of fun if you woke up and there's all these gifts underneath the tree. And you acknowledge, yes, there's that gift. Yes, I don't have a problem with the existence of God and maybe that Christ did that. But you still have to reach out and accept that gift personally so it can be applied to you. And, and I think the problem is there's, there's so many people that think there's all these different ways. And I can remember as a, as a kid, in our front yard, we had, a, we had a, a swing, a rope swing. And it was probably 12, 15 feet. It, it swung out over a creek that we had. And I had a good friend. His name was John. And he came over. And my uncle had climbed up in this tree years before this. And he had put this huge rope swing up over the tree, or up on the tree over the creek there. And John had this, I'm going to date myself, brand new Kansas City Chief matching red sweatpant outfit on with Christian Okoye on the front up here, okay? And he's like, hey, is this, you know, this is going to hold, right? I'm like, oh, you're good. My uncle's huge. He's done this all the time. John, on his very first swing, he's like, I'm trusting you. We're sure we're good. I said, John, that rope, look how thick it is. And he grabbed onto that rope, and on his very first swing out, that rope snapped. And he looked at me holding on this rope like, you lied to me. Bam, fell down face first, 15 feet below, into like a foot of water and a bunch of mud. And just totally, poor Christian Okoye, he ruined, ruined his little red sweat outfit there. But he was holding on to that rope. I'll never forget him looking at me like, seriously, Davis, you're killing me. All the way to the bottom. And you know, if you put your trust in the wrong thing, 
You might, hey, you might, hey, this is good. My good works are here. And you, you, have, you can do that. You can believe that that's enough. But you're going to be holding on to those good works that do not have the power to grant you the forgiveness of sins all the way to the end. And it'll be a rude awakening someday. But God offers the gift of salvation through his son who does have the power to grant you the forgiveness of sins. And you really can know that you have eternal life. And it will change not just your life, but your eternal destiny. And I'm going to pray here and as we uh, go ahead and dismiss counselors to stand in the back here. And I would encourage you, with nobody looking around, I'd like you to close your eyes. I'd like you to think about what we've talked about this evening. This isn't a pressure situation. This is an honest time for you to evaluate the reality of your eternal destiny.